You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. Everyone, I am Spud Goodman. (laughs) Spud Goodman. And this is the Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show podcast. On this one, we'll be taking a look at the security clearance episode, first aired on 117.16, and it featured actor-author John Leguizamo, musician-TV host Rev Run from the legendary rap group Run DMC, uh, musician-producer Alan Parsons, and live musical guest was Kai Alfred Hillig. Yeah, this one was jam-packed with thrills and excitement, so don't go anywhere. Uh, Before we get started, let me introduce our podcast designated laugher. Yeah, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, Give us a decent guffaw, if you would. Oh, sure. How's this? (laughs) Oh, not my best, but it will have to do. Well, it was okay, you know. Um, Fine. So now I'm supposed to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, go ahead and mutter something so I can just move on and, you know. And yeah, Spud, do Spud. It. How, how, many, how many times have I said to you that I do not mutter? My mother taught us all, uh, all of us Holcombs, to enunciate clearly when we speak. Um, I think um, it'd be um, actually... I pride myself on my distinct and precise speech pattern. Really? Could I say maybe a little bit about what a great weekend the family and I had visiting our uh, family? Absolutely off- not. I have a podcast to run here. And if well, something of note happened on your family outing, just post it on it your joint Facebook page you have with your wife. Eh, this is not the time and place for show and tell. So maybe later in the podcast then? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe way later. Uh, now I have to introduce our show's intern, Chance. As per my instructions from our executive producer, uh, you now have the floor for a period not exceeding 60 seconds. Uh, don't waste this precious time with the name Babel. Uh, your time starts now. Uh, yeah, I'll pass. I'm not feeling it right now. Maybe I will in a bit. I still reserve my time to be used later in the podcast. Okay. I guess I have to go along with that. Uh, just don't interrupt me when I'm on a roll with my insightful banter or something. Yes! Chance, you have the floor whenever you feel the urge to express yourself. I saw the memo from Lori, and she said clearly, more chance. As much chance as we can put into this little podcast. You, Well, we all know you have your fans to satisfy. I know I have a responsibility to entertain them. I understand that, but sometimes being really popular can be a burden, but I'll try to hold up my end, Dorothy. I know you will. Uh, You're not that popular, Chance, okay? I mean, sure, you get a lot of emails from listeners who, who think, you know, maybe you're some kind of spokesperson for that Generation X you know, age group you're in, but understand those young people will dump you in a heartbeat and move on to some other mindless influencer. Okay, Boomer. I appreciate the advice. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's begin our autopsy of the security clearance episode now. It was it was and is an important topic for me. Is is at way back then, you know, I had grown tired of my intellectual properties being exposed to the general public by you, Gerald. Uh, I remember I, I was pretty steamed about it. Yeah, and as I said back then, you totally overreacted by limiting my access to basic show information before we went on the air. It made no sense. Shut up. I still consider you a threat to my intellectual properties to this day. Uh, Let's just play the first segment of that episode. Dave, run it. Yes, yes. 
All right, w- well done as always. Also with me is our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. You can say something brief now if you want. Well, th- thanks, Spud. And I got to say, you know, I am excited about tonight's show. You say you're excited. You, uh, I was ready for that. And, uh, why you yet? did it again. Uh, well, I mean, could you just maybe change up your stock response when I introduce you? You know, maybe say how grateful you are to be allowed to do this show. Well, I am grateful, but I- I'm honestly excited about tonight's show, too. I-, I speak from the heart always, Spud. Even if you don't even know who was on tonight's show? Yes, as I have stated on many occasions, not being given the show schedule prior to going on the air does present challenges for me as the co-host, but I continue to move forward and do my job as best as I can. But seriously, though, look over there. Carrie, the intern, she has a bunch of extra copies on her clipboard. I don't see why I can't be trusted with this information. Security of intellectual property is a major focus of most entertainment projects these days. I know. And I have personally vetted each member of our staff to determine who I can trust with this material. No offense, but several flags were raised when I took a close look at you and your background. What the hell, yo? How could that be? I've never been arrested. I'm the sergeant-at-arms at at our Kiwanis Club, and I volunteered our church's food bank. But I could easily pass any background check. My life is an open book. Well, you know, most security risks on the surface appear to be pillars of the community. It's when you take a deeper look into their life, a really deep look, that's when things begin to surface. Very few people are totally clean when you look under the carpet, so to speak. Well, I have nothing to hide, and I'll tell you, I'm very proud of my accomplishments in the community. I would be the last person on this show's staff that you would have to be concerned with. Uh, My gosh, I was an Eagle Scout. (laughs) Yeah, so was Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. The the Unabomber? Spud, he was insane, clearly in need of mental health intervention. How could you compare me with Ted Kaczynski? Look, I'm just saying, some of the people I spoke to when doing my research on you, well, let's just say they expressed some concerns. Well, uh, who... Who would be suspicious of me? Well, part of (laughs) conducting background checks involves total confidentiality from the peers of those being investigated. Hmm. Do do you think your friends and family would give me any dirt on you if they they knew I would tell you what they said? Well, that is insane. I don't believe anyone who knows me would describe me as a security threat to the intellectual property of this radio show. I mean, I would have no clue what intellectual property of this show is, frankly. There's no need to be insulting here, all right? There are plenty of intellectual properties here that could be stolen or shared with others without permission. But I'm not going to make your task any easier by identifying them for you right now. So instead, let me play some music as it's time, and and you would know this if if you had a security clearance and had a show schedule I don't have it. No, you don't. Anyway, well, this song is... Spud, re-listening to this, you have to feel that you made a serious mistake in your treatment of me. I mean, there was no justification for this, and it has continued to this day. One can never be too cautious with security procedures, okay? Um, These days, and for sure back then, I stand by my position. Okay, I, I usually don't play the recorded music from episodes uh, you know, on this podcast, but this one's very special to all the Spud Goodman Show family. It features our now late cast member, Judith K. Samuels, uh, who worked with our show for over 25 years. She was a true original talent and just a wonderful person. We, we miss her dearly. This song was recorded live in Orlando, Florida years ago as, as I got talked into covering some national karaoke competition uh, for our old Fox show. It was recorded at the place where uh, they shot the American Gladiator show, I think. Uh, so, so Judith was up in the air like 25 feet up you know, in, in some kind of a lift equipment that they had there. Uh, and, you know, and she sang her song live up there. What a trooper. So uh, Dave, uh, can you cue up the clip of her performance? You know, we recorded it on our Fox TV show at the World Karaoke Championships in Orlando, Florida in 1996. It's the classic Javi Nagila. Uh, the video from the performance will soon be posted on our YouTube channel and our social media sites. Uh, we will always, always remember Judith, no matter where we go or what we're doing. Uh, roll it, please. Have Havana, 
be another one like judith okay and that's a fact yeah all right let's move on to my interview with uh, actor and now author john leguizamo who was a great guest and a very cool gentleman dave run it all right please welcome actor writer comedian and producer john leguizamo uh, we really appreciate you checking in with us tonight Absolutely, man. I love talking to you. Super. All right, well, let's start off with a new book. You now have out uh, Ghetto Clown, published by Abrams Comic Arts, and is now available at bookstores everywhere and online. It's described as a graphic novel. I like graphic things. I like novels. Not all of them like those teenage werewolf books and those Danielle Steele ones, but most are cool. So, But what, again, is a graphic novel? Well, it's basically, in layman's terms, it's a picture book. So that means it's easy reading. Yes. But, uh... It, but it's my best thing that I've ever done, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of the book. It was uh, Parade said is a must read of the year, and so did Entertainment Weekly. And so it's it's basically the first memoir at, as a graphic novel. So I'm breaking ground right there, and I, I think it's beautifully written, if I do say so myself. And it's about my life. You know, it's all the ups and downs, more more downs than ups. But you know how it goes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll make it through. Absolutely. Well, was it tough for you to put out the personal history that some in your profession would maybe keep under wraps, especially the romantic stuff? Because I myself would love to do a tell-all book, but I don't have anything to really tell, not, not with actual live women except for maybe some heavy petting. But you were pretty, pretty honest. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I got to hide the book from my kids constantly. I got, I see them to try to look through and go, hey, put that down. Not till you're 21 in college. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to put all that information out, but I, I felt it, it was necessary to be as raw and honest as possible so that people can be inspired by, you know, I mean, the sex in, in the book is not there for gratuitous reasons. It's there for, to reveal, you know, what, what happens in a relationship, what happens in a, in a, in a competitive relationship between actors, you know? Yeah, well, I, I got to say this, though. It doesn't happen in all relationships, but that's the goal. Let's put it that way. That is the goal. So, yeah, that's another story. Well, can we take a brief look back on your acting career? After your start in show business as a stand-up comedian, you got your first break in TV with a shot on Miami Vice. Did they make you wear white suits and pastel shirts, too, on, when you were on? Yep, and no socks. It was what it was at the... It, it was mandatory to not have socks. You got to wear pastel, but... Uh, yeah, what, what, what are you going to do? They paid me well. It got me my, my SAG. You know, I got into SAG through that. I got an agent out of that. It was it was, it was my first, like, big boost in my career. Super. Yeah, I had uh, Edward James almost. Uh, he was on my TV show way back, and he must have had his agent demand it. Uh, you know, he would be the only one wearing black because he always looks cool. And it was, it was a great call, by the way. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I still dig that show, actually, to be honest with you. But, all right, anyway. Um, it, was, it was an important 
important show at the time, man. It was the first one filmed. It was like uh, movies. It was edgy. It, it was it was the most graphic at the time. It, it, it was revolutionary. Yeah, Michael Mann did okay after that, right? Yeah, I guess he did okay. So. Yeah, he's not done. He's not too shabby. He's, he's doing all right. Yeah. All right. Well, now you're a major film star for sure with a ton of credits and are co-starring in the the Tina Fey Amy Poehler comedy Sisters that. Uh, is out. So with, with your background in comedy, do you tend to enjoy that genre more than the many dark dramas you've done over the years like Spike Lee's Summer of Sam and that, that still creeps me out by the way or Carlito's Way with Al Pacino. You've done so many films but a lot of them haven't had happy endings and now you know, you're doing something lighter now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a different part of your brain that you access. Uh, the comedy, I mean, it, it, it's such a great time to be had. I mean, everybody's having a good time and this, especially working with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, I mean, yeah, you, you, you hear that comedians aren't funny off camera. These women are hilarious off camera, on camera, and and the camaraderie that that they command is beautiful, man. Everybody's out there to help each other. It's a team. It's teamwork. We're all trying to make everybody laugh and have a good time. And if something's not working, everybody collaborates, man. I, I've never seen it work like that. I, I just found that SNL crew to be really cool. Ooh. If I might interject here, Spud, did you hear John right there? I mean, what? R really hear what he just said about the collaborative process? Yeah. How much more effective shows or movies are when everyone, or, or at least the important players, are involved? Uh, excuse me, John, uh, for just one quick moment. We were talking about how great it is to work with women in a project. Last I looked... Yeah. You are a middle-aged dude, so what's your point? Well, I was in hopes that you would at least entertain the thought that this show would be so much better if you allowed the others to have input. I'm not opposed to having maybe Gina sit in occasionally as the co-host, if that's what you're getting at. Well, no. Yeah, and you could fill in as a designated laugher on the show. <laughs> I hadn't given that any thought. Uh, no, 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 no. I was not inferring that we needed a larger involvement from a woman. I was just stating that others, such as myself, have so much more to contribute as a potential collaborator. I am clearly very, a very underutilized resource. Look, there, there has to be a certain order to mankind, and and when that order is messed with, terrible, terrible things can happen. If it ain't broke, why fix it, right? But I feel it is broke, and I think look, that I... Look, 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 John has things to do, so can this wait until after the show? Um, I suppose. Good. So, John, I'm back. I had to put some more Rogaine on my ever-growing bald spot, so anyway... It, it must be refreshing to have women at the power center of a, of, of a studio film, you know, uh, of a big film. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, man. It's nurturing. It's, it, they're, they're helpful. It's not, you know, combative. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm going to do you in. I'm, i I got to get more laughs than you. It wasn't like that at all. It's like everybody's going to get a laugh. We want everybody to do well because if everybody does well, we do well. Right. Well, you know, the new thing with big studio films like Star Wars is to go all NSA with actors, crew, and probably craft services staff that are anywhere near the set these days. We're discussing security clearances for staff on our show tonight. So did Tina and Amy make you swear, like on a stack of religious books, that you would not rat out any info on the movie while in production? Every movie is like that now. I think it's because of social media. Everybody's panicking that they, there's going to be leaks and spoilers. Uh, uh uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I wasn't allowed, you know, I, I, I posted a picture, I was told to take it off, and I did, you know, because you're not allowed to show, they don't even want to show you, like in Bloodline, I'm not even allowed to show my character in, in, in wardrobe, I can't even be shot in wardrobe, I can't do selfies like that till, till they're ready to release. Wow, well, you know, you have such great improvisational skills, do, you know, do many films actually let you just do a few takes on your own, uh, I don't know about this film, but has that been something that's been a regular part of your career before the camera? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an important tool in filmmaking. I mean, obviously in theater it doesn't really work, but uh, uh, film and TV, you know, TV is warming up to that. I think Larry David really helped propel that because it was really, when I did TV before, it was really hard. It's so controlling. And I had a, you know, I had a fight to, to get to my, my chance to ad-lib because they, they didn't like it, they didn't want it. The writers control you and, and, and they're really opposed to changing their words. But, uh, you know, on this Bloodline that I'm doing, the Netflix series, I don't know if you know it, oh, they yeah. let you add it, man. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's like doing movies. It's that, not like doing TV. That is a freaking great show. Oh, it's an amazing show, man. I'm so honored to be a part of it for, for the second and third season. 
Wow, you're on both. Oh, yeah, because I'm really waiting for that second one to come on. All right, super. All right, last question, John. What's been your most memorable moment to this point as a performer to this day? I know it's kind of cliche, but uh, that's kind of what I do. Uh, I I think it was doing Ghetto Clown, man. It was was Ghetto Clown. I was was on Broadway, and, uh, you know, I I, I was working on the show still, and, and... and, and I figured out the ending, and we tried it that day, and the audience shot to their feet. And, uh, and that was one of the incredible moments, because I couldn't figure out, I couldn't crack the ending. And it, and, it, and it just came to me finally, like after a month of being open. And it was incredible how the energy and, and the audience at the end just shifted. Boom. Well, the reviews were amazing. Uh, and the, it, was, it aired on HBO also, correct? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, it, was, it was great. So, all right. Well, it keeps on giving. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, I know you're a busy man. So uh, before I, I let you go, let me remind our listeners once again that you have a new book out, Ghetto Clown, now available everywhere. And if you don't see it, ask for it. Right. And then uh, you also now have a new film out, Sisters, which I'm sure will kill at the box office. As how many times in a day can people keep getting back in line to see Star Wars? Right. Exactly. We'll get their fallout. That's we'll get right. all of it, man. That's right. All <laughs> Don't right. even bother going to Star Wars. Just come see Sisters. Thank you very much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Mr. John Leguizamo. As you know, I've been thinking for quite some time about writing my own biography, but after listening to John discuss his graphic biography, I just might think about going that route. It seems... I don't know, a bit easier. Yeah, it's probably a bit easier, you know, than filling up a big, thick book with all, you know, a bunch of words. But you'd have to have some very interesting images, you know, from your life that would capture the attention of someone who would be dumb enough to buy your book. I mean, unless you made up stuff in the pictures, uh, you know, it'd mostly be you sitting around doing nothing like co-hosting the radio show or and now this podcast. Just not exactly exciting images. Oh, he's got a point, Gerald. What? Are you going to draw pictures of you doing household chores or maybe mowing the lawn? Well, yeah, I'm guessing he has subcontracted out all the housework these days, you know, to his kids. He has three of them. And I I bet you have a lawn service, too, right? Well, I mean, yes. Now, Now the kids do help out around the house for their allowances. And we do have a nice gentleman from I. I believe Belize uh, mow our lawn. He does a great job. I can assure you, though, that I am involved in many very stimulating activities, and and over the years, they would make for an exciting graphic autobiography. I love the poorly educated. Maybe it would help people fall asleep at night if they read it right before bed. (laughs) Good suggestion, Chance. Uh, you know, let me scan a rough copy of this thing if you ever, you know, do it, uh, because it could come, could come in handy. Is, is I'm having a tough time these days getting to sleep. It's just a, it's an issue I'm dealing with. I, all right, I, I should probably stop playing video games right before I call it a day. That's that's something I've read about. But anyway, all right. Well, right now we're we're going to go to my interview with our musical guest Kai Alfred Hillig and later a live performance from him, uh, Dave. All right, musical guest interview time. Please welcome back to the show, Kai Alfred Hillig. So, man, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. All right, so you've uh, been pretty busy career-wise lately. Do you have like a like a personal secretary or a handler to deal with everything you got going on? <laughs> no, I'm my own secretary. All right, all right, just checking. Um, so l- let me ask you this. What's your take on Bill Cosby? Should he be given a get-out-of-jail pass because he had a really popular sitcom on network TV? Will that line of a, you know defense fly with a jury? What do you think? Probably not. I did like his show, though. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's going to be a mitigating factor. I haven't quite figured that one out. I'm not, that is messed up, I'm not yo. That trained in, in law. But all right. Well, you know, the recent nominations for the next Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremonies were announced a while ago. Um, do you have any strong feelings about the choices or omissions? I honestly haven't even seen them. <laughs> well, I'll give them to you uh, at this point. It was okay. uh, it was Chicago, Deep Purple, NWA, Cheap Trick, and Steve Miller. But I guess I, I just want to state this, that I'm going to continue my ongoing uh, battle to finally uh, get the, get the uh, Hall of Fame to recognize X because it's long yeah. overdue. And, and if they don't do this, I will be commencing that long-threatened hunger strike. So uh, that's just I'm putting them on notice once more. Hopefully they're listening tonight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you don't have any feelings on the, the recent nominations then? I, I love NWA. I love yep. Cheap Trick. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing X on there. They definitely deserve it. Yep. All right. 
you know, she, I'm, I'm okay with all the, you know, the five choices, but anyway, I just think they need to, uh, to wise up, uh, the next time they, they do this thing. Anyway, what's your, what's your favorite flavor? I was thinking about this today. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of Triscuits, you know, cause they have oh, like yeah. way too many options now and it's getting almost as bad as Oreos and I get a headache trying to decide, you know, what kind of Oreo to get when I go up the cookie aisle. Now I'm going to have to deal with it down the cracker aisle in Safeway. So what, what's your favorite Triscuit? I like the ones with rye, the rye ones. Oh, yeah. the rye ones are good. I like the uh, the, uh, the uh, what is it? Uh, they're wheat, and they have, or I think they're all wheat, but they have salt and pepper kind of a uh, mixture kind of. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. I'm kind of into those right now. So, I've but have, you, have you tried the olive oil ones? No, I've not. Yeah, yeah, Gerald. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Saturday in mid-October October of the worst year of my life Oh God, I hope that it's over And oh no, maybe don't go Maybe you need time to get sober And oh no, baby don't go Baby don't say that it's over Kissed on the couch, I fell into the sea See that we used to swim in Swam till the waves crashed onto the beach And the vampire started singing Oh no, baby don't go Maybe you need time to get sober And oh no, baby don't go Baby don't say that it's over Bought a little house, two stories tall The children playing jacks on the pavement You cried in the closet till I broke through the wall And everybody knew you were leaving and oh no, baby don't go, maybe you need time to get sober And oh no, baby don't go, baby don't say that it's over You packed up your bags and you moved on out Without to find a brand new flavor The flavor of drugs and sex and pain And I act as if we're total strangers And oh no, baby don't go, maybe you need time to get sober that man is a huge talent. Somebody should give him like a massive record deal. Kai Alfred Hillig deserves that, in my opinion. Yeah. So right now we're going to go to uh, a poem by a resident poet, poetry man. This one is titled Donald Trump. Hit it, Dave. Donald Trump. Donald Trump once wrote the book, The Art of the Deal, where one has to make the most money, one has to beg, borrow, and steal. It's not okay to make a lot of money. It has to be every penny for the deal to be real. And please don't worry about the next morning and how you feel. He now wants to be president, so he's talking like Howard Beale. But don't forget, he will lead anyone in his way like a plate of very rare veal. Donald Trump is not a nice man, but he is terrifically rich. Terrifically rich? You know, that poem didn't age well. I think Poetry Man wrote it right before the 2016 election. And yes, Trump is still not a nice man, but he actually isn't really that wealthy, at least not anywhere near as rich as he says he is. That New York Times expose on his taxes a while back revealed the guy's actually cash poor. And if golf ever goes the way of the hula hoop, his many courses around the world might be worth like 10 cents on the dollar. You know, to some guy who wants to build Maybe some parking lots or something on those golf courses. Just beware of people who yell at the top of their lungs how rich they are. Because most of the time, they are greatly exaggerating. And it's unbelievable. Oh, and he chaptered. He went bankrupt with his casino company. Yeah, okay. Coming up next is more of our conversation about my esteemed temporary co-host, uh, Gerald here, being a real threat to the security of my intellectual properties. Uh, Dave hit it.
You know, now that we've brought up the subject of you being a security risk uh, on this show live on the air, yeah. don't you think this would be a good time to just come clean and admit it? I I'm talking about your true intentions, okay? Um, I, I know well, I know, there's considerable interest on the internet about the inside workings of this show, and someone is feeding that beast on a regular basis. Spud, I honestly have no idea what you are talking about. Shut what, up. What misinformation? How can I admit to something that I've not committed? Look, if you just stopped this activity, I promise to be fair in determining whatever action will be taken against you. But if I you don't. choose to continue to deny this, I might be forced to turn this evidence over to the authorities, and it could get ugly real quick. You, you strike me as someone who would like wet their pants the first time they put a hood on you and start pouring water down your mouth. Do you're talking about waterboarding for discussing show information on the internet? You're, you're kidding me, right? Well, now we're getting somewhere. So you do admit leaking sensitive information via that World Wide Web. Heck no. I was just getting clarification on what you are threatening me with here. Listen, if I'm not mistaken, waterboarding is an international war crime, Spud. I'm pretty sure of that. Maybe. And even if I was guilty of what you allege, that technique has never worked. There's Heroes and players, let's play double jeopardy. Uh, there's considerable information about this on the internet. I looked it up. The, the, the internet, your chosen vehicle to share our private show information, right? No. Well, I Google stuff from time to time, and, and I've never, ever come across anything about waterboarding, you know, about it not being a effective, number one. Uh, it, it seems to work just fine in all the movies I've seen. Well, can I ask what specific information you're so concerned about someone sharing with others? Well... The most recent thing was last week as I read on a message board that some unnamed staff member said I was a total Huh? Oh. Oh, well, okay. Okay? Well, I I'm just acknowledging what you said. By no means am I publicly expressing my support for this type of personal attack on your character. Yeah? You may occasionally be mean to me, often belittling me unfairly on the air, but... You have to know, I would never go behind your back and post anything on the internet about this. I'm a good soldier, and I would not do something like this. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's I'm not a rat. That's what all disgruntled employees say when they're confronted. Well, listen, we can find out quite easily. If you want, you bring in a polygraph examiner right now. I stand ready to take a polygraph test right here, Too right late, now. Yeah. Uh, those guys are really expensive, man. We don't have that kind of money in our budget. Oh. We will just have to go with the fact that you are a rat. You know, we can discuss this further when we're done with the show. Right now, just check and see if our next guest is on the line. Spud, I stand by my statement back then. I never posted mean. Uh, I should say really mean things about you. Uh, sure, I may have mentioned in a few posts that I was not being given a fair opportunity to express myself on the radio show, but I would never use that A word. It's just, it's not in my vocabulary. I still don't believe you. You know, people do things out of character when they're in like a total rage. This was just a great example of you rage posting. It, it was a bad decision on your part. I have to say that. Yeah, Gerald, when I'm pissed off at Spud, I just tell him he's being an asshole right to his face. What's he going to do about it? He can't fire the most popular person on this show or anyone for that matter. Well, you don't know that. Uh, as I've said so many times to you, sweetie, there is no need to poke the bear. Taking the high road is always the best course of action. Yeah, and I am always on that high road myself, Mrs. Jarvis. I never take that fork in the road that would lead me to do or, or say something inappropriate. Whatever. <laughs> uh, let's just move on to my interview with the legendary rap musician and now TV host, Reverend Run from Run DMC. He gives you a good interview. I liked him a lot. Uh, Dave, run it. All right, please welcome hip-hop artist, reality TV star, and also ordained minister, Joseph Simmons, a.k.a. Reverend Run, to the show. Thanks for calling in tonight, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, well, let's start this thing off with discussing the new TV show on the Travel Channel, Rev Runs Around the World, airing Wednesdays at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. So how the heck did you sign off on doing a travel show? I wouldn't have seen this show coming from you. Well, I have a cooking show, and I was at, I was on, I'm on the Cooking Channel, actually the number one show on the Cooking Channel. Yeah. And I was at the Upfront, and I saw that the, the Scripps Networks owned Travel Channel also, so I went and shook some hands over there. We exchanged numbers and came up with this concept. So I've been 
I'm very busy, and um, Rev runs uh, around the world. It's me and my family. If you ever saw the show Run's House on MTV, this is like right. Run outside the house. Man. So this is Run outside the house from everywhere from Dubai to Mexico City to uh, Bali to Hong Kong to Tokyo, everywhere. We went London. Just It was crazy. Rome. We went everywhere. It was incredible. Well, be honest here. What's the first thing you do when you land and you, and you get to your hotel? Because I know, I know you're with your family on these excursions, but don't you check and see what channels they have on as soon as you enter the room, like HBO and ESPN? You know, TV can save your life. You know, maybe not. Heck yeah. yeah. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to do that, but my wife was trying to run around and jump on camels and stuff. Ah. I'm busy thinking, you know, thinking, looking at a camel, want to go hump day. You know, you want to do that. Guess what day it is? I'm chasing around camels and she wants to ride them. And I'm just trying to chill out at the hotel and and um, have a little uh, drink with the, the umbrella in it and a little bit of um, sunshine on me. And she wants to go to a different place. Absolutely. So that is all around. I, yeah, I mean... So it was a little conflict there, but I had fun. Well, you know... I- when I've traveled, the few times I have with women and when they're with me is all they really want to do is go and do things, you know? There's not much time to, like, check out what's on TV or lay around the room. So that has been an issue for you. That's what you're saying. Because I've seen yeah, I've seen the show, and it, it causes some issues, doesn't it? It definitely runs into a couple of issues when you want to chill and get in the hammock. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm out on daggone boats looking at minky whales who don't want to lift their head up in the middle of Iceland. Uh, yeah, you got okay. All right, super. Well, Rev, can we touch uh, on the legendary Run DMC for a second? Because I have to tell you, prior to when Raising Hell came out, I was a Nike guy, but ever since I switched to Adidas because of you specifically. Uh, thank you for broadening my horizons. Did, did Adidas give you a lifetime supply of gear, by the way? Uh, yeah, lifetime for sure. I get them anytime I want. I make a call, and a box is shipped. So, wow, how how cool is that? All right. Um, well, Run DMC. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, any any style you want to? Anything? Website, pick some stuff, make a call. Damn. Yeah, that's juice. Say, Spud, I know the perks that the Rev here gets must make you feel somewhat jealous. Yeah. I, I know no one ever sends you free stuff, but listen, don't let your feelings of inadequacy get you down. Just stay focused as the interview is going really well. Uh, Rev, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be right back. It's not like I haven't tried to get free stuff from companies. I actually got through, you know, to speak with someone at Pepto-Bismol, thinking that, hey, these guys would comp me for life, no problem. Take soothing Pepto-Bismol and feel good again. But no, they freaking asked me for our ratings from the last quarter. Who knew Pepto-Bismol cared about ratings so much? I think the trick is just to tell companies you have a national radio show, and when they ask about the ratings, you tell them that you're number one in some obscure demo like uh, uh, 12 to 14 year olds or or 74 to 77 year olds. Well, I did give Lying some thought, but with the internet, companies can look up anything about you these days. One's ability to BS has been severely restricted by those Google people. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You know, honesty is the best policy. I sure like living in the pre-internet world, man. Hey, I gotta get back to the rev, so quiet down. Alrighty, I'm back. Uh... I'm right here, I'm ready. All right, well, Run DMC is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You were nominated for Grammys, uh, were chosen the 48th greatest musical artist of all time by Rolling Stone, and named the greatest hip-hop group of all time by MTV, MTV.com. So I have to ask you this. Do you still crank up, say, Rockbox, or it's tricky in your spare time when you're home or on the road or whatever? Because that stuff still kills and holds up well. I don't have to. Everywhere I go, it plays, and I DJ every once in a while. So when I'm DJing, the DJ will, me and my man DJ Ruckus will throw on Tricky and the crowd goes nuts. So yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool having records that stand the test of time. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're now a minister. Was the transition difficult or was it a seamless move? As there are some similarities between the two vocations. Uh, I don't have.
have a church. I don't run a church. My church is basically all these TV shows. It's like my ministry has become places like MTV and the Scripps Networks and Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. So my preaching reaches a, a large audience through my um, message, which is basically through my um, through images more than just standing at a church at a pulpit. Okay. But I've been to a few churches and, and 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 preached there and some colleges and stuff. But basically, my message is really reaches a broad audience with all the different activities and things that I do. All right, super. Well, your brother Russell Simmons has done some significant things in the business and philanthropic world. But when you get together, is it that much different than when you were the youngest of the family? Does he still remind you he's the oldest? No, he just loves me. We have a good time. He calls me all the time. Um. Uh, he's a really good brother, and, and basically, um, I know he's the older brother, so I, I get that, so he doesn't have to enforce that, and I feel like the younger brother when I'm around him. Okay, all right, super. Well, Rev, this is my money question, uh, my last question. What, what's been your most memorable moment uh, on Earth to this point? What do you think? Can you pull something out? I think the most memorable moment for my life is the transition from run to rev run just the whole being able to grow up and find a groove on these channels like whether it's cooking or whether it's um cooking or travel or renovation i have a renovation show that's on diy finding my groove at this age and, and having my family with me has been very fulfilling all right, super. All right, then, I want to remind everyone that your new show on the Travel Channel, Rev Runs Around the World, airs each Wednesday night at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. Hey, seriously, I want to uh, thank you so much for, for calling in and checking in with us tonight. Uh, I very much enjoyed the conversation, and I hope we can talk again. Thank you so much. All right, Rev and Run. Adidas song still kills every time I play it on the jukebox at the bar near my apartment. I usually play it like four or five times in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah, some people you know, get a little torqued after the third time, but that's their problem. Oh, I usually draw the line at playing a song twice in a row on the jukebox. Three times is really pushing it, Spud, no matter how much you enjoy it. Depending on the song, but I could see someone pulling a knife or something on you. Only a dumbass plays the same song so many times in a row. You like to live dangerously, Spud. Well, for some, you know, some songs, just once is not enough. And uh, yeah. Well, all right, right now we're going to go to my final interview on this episode. It is with musician and record producer Alan Parsons, you know, from the Alan Parsons Project. Uh, and regarding the producer tag, Alan does correct me in our conversation by saying producer is not an accurate description of what he and others do in the studio, you know, to make a record. Uh, I enjoyed speaking with him very much. Uh, Dave, hit it. Please welcome musician, producer, and audio engineer Alan Parsons to the show. Alan, uh, can I call you Alan, or should I also include Project if I need to use your phone? Oh, name? no, I will. In the, I will <laughs> yes, call me Mr. Project. Mr. Project, all right. <laughs> no, no, Alan, Alan is absolutely fine. All right. Um, the, the, only, the only people that uh, ever call me Mr. Parsons are policemen. All right, I got that. I'm not a policeman. That's for the record. So, all right, Alan, you've been nominated for 11 Grammys over the years. What what's your take on the current state of pop? Uh, you know, top 40 music. Is it me, or does a great deal of it seem like the same song, just rearranged a bit? Um, I think that is uh, a, a little bit of uh, what's going on in, in modern music. Yeah, it, it's. Um you know, all people with um, with the same recording equipment, the same access to the same sequences and samples, and so on. So that's that's one reason it tends to all sound uh, all sound the same these days. It also gets crunched to oblivion by uh, by audio compression. You know, so right. that so that uh, one man's record is just as loud as the other man's record. 
and I've, I've never really uh, I've never really followed that philosophy if, it, if it's not loud enough turn it up you know that's my philosophy ooh I like that uh, well you got your start in the recording business at Abbey Road Studio in London at age 18 and you know you, 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 know, you basically worked with Paul McCartney the Hollies and a bunch of others um and you considered yourself more than just an audio engineer, right? You called yourself a recording director in the mode of successful film directors. Well, I, I, I just think uh, record producer is a, a little bit of an inaccurate uh, expression. I mean, it, it, it might have been accurate, you know, when I came into the business, 50s, 60s, you know that. But um, I think rec- record recording director or music music producer, you know, I think, I think director is much closer to the... Uh, to the role of a, of a movie director. So I think we should have been called directors, not producers. Producers are guys with uh, big fat cigars and write the checks, you know. Oh, all right. Yeah. I, li- I like that. All right. Um, all right. Well, you received a Grammy nomination for Studio Engineering on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. How soon into the recording process did you know that this record would soon be on everyone's heavy rotation for eternity? <laughs> um, I, I think we, we recognized that we were making a great piece of work, um, certainly. Pink Floyd's best uh, record to date, but um, I, I don't think any of us were, would have really predicted that I'd be talking about it 45 years later. You know, really, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, um, I'm I'm so proud to have been a part of it. But uh, no, no, no one, no one knew that it was going to absolutely uh, hit the roof like it did. Well, with all the audio treats layered on that record, I think you guys should have gotten a piece of all the headphones sold in the 70s and 80s as it was the method to listen to that record. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, funny how uh, so much music these days is being heard on uh, on, on pretty pretty awful sounding headphones. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for hearing uh, music on good headphones, but not nasty little white earbuds on, on iPhones, you know. Yeah, those are nasty. I do not like those. Uh, that's for the record. <laughs> uh, well, in 1998, you became vice president of EMI Studios. How big of an adjustment was it you know, for you as an artist to now assume the role of a studio suit? The guys who probably gave you some grief over the years in your career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, um, it, it was a job from hell, um, actually. I, I, I thought I would uh, fit in much, uh, much better than I did. And, um, you know, I, I was, by the EMI bosses, I was given permission to continue my, uh, my career playing live and, uh, you know, recording uh, and so on. But, um, no, the executive life was much too executive, and I essentially <laughs> lasted about nine months before I ran away screaming. Uh, but it, it was nice to think that, you know, I started as essentially a T-boy at Abbey Road and then ended up with the top job. I mean, it, it, was, it was a feel-good factor in there, but... Uh, I really couldn't. <laughs> excuse me. I really couldn't take it for more than just the, sh- the short nine months that I was there. All right, super. Uh, in 1975, this is a little bit of this is your life. You can pick this up by now. Um, you formed the Alan Parsons Project, and of course, were very successful. Everyone knows that. Just how many damn records did you sell under this uh, the title of that project? Well, the, you mean the very the very first uh, Alan Parsons Project was was um, you know. We, we didn't realize it was an ongoing artist name. We just thought it was just going to be the Alan Parsons Project. And the first album was based on Edgar Allan Poe works. Um, and then when we signed to Clive Davis for our, for our second album, he, he said, no, your, your identity is the Alan Parsons Project. You know, that's what you will be known as. Uh, but it, it really was just, uh, just a name uh, or a, a title for our first album. Well, how many damn records did you sell? I'm guessing a few. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think... Um, we, we, I think we've always reached a million on, on just about all of them. All right. You're uh, being very modest, but, and you don't want to throw out the grand total. But, you know, I, I might have to just, like, Google that and tack this thing on. <laughs> I don't know. Talk, talk to my listeners on another show. Yeah, Google has a habit of lying about record sales, I think. <laughs> all right, all right. They'll, 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 I mean, you know, I've seen I've seen newspaper articles where which claim that I've sold 50 million records. I mean, that's simply not true. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good lie, though. That's a good lie. All right. Well, here's my money question. I wrap these things up with this. Uh, what's been your most memorable moment uh, for you in the music industry? Is there anything that comes to mind? Most memorable moment probably would have been uh, getting two consecutive number one singles in the UK. 
uh, one yeah. with uh, one with a band called Pilot. You may remember that song, Magic. Oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, it's magic. You know that song? Yeah, I think I've heard and, that a few uh, times. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the song that, uh, you know, was consecutive with it was, uh, was by a band that didn't really make it in the U.S., uh, Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel. And uh, that, that was a, a, a big song that was featured in the movie The Full Monty. It was called Come Up and See Me, Make Me Smile. Um, so, that, yeah, that was, that was pretty memorable. I mean, you know, if you, 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 uh, there's not many producers that can complain to, can, can uh, you know, actually attest to the fact that uh, they, they had two consecutive number one songs. No, I, I would so, say I would say that's something to brag about. I know you don't strike me though as one who would, but maybe I'll do it for you. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. All right. <laughs> well, all right. The Alan Parsons Live Project continues to tour the world, so keep your eyes open for when they come to your city. Hey, Alan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to call in tonight. All right, you're very welcome, and uh, hope to see whoever's listening in Florida. We got some shows coming up in February, so uh, hope to see you there. Very cool. All right, Mr. Alan Parsons. He was so right about the freaking quality with today's, you know, free Apple earbuds they, they you know, give you when you buy their stuff, their merchandise. To listen to music on, at least, they, they totally suck. Yeah, so I guess that's why they try to get you to buy the up uh, upgraded ones. But, so now we're going to play a bit of what we call Dave's pastiche. Uh, this one features the topic of surprise uh, one Donald Trump, you know, during this period of time, he was on the minds of everyone. And yes, the nightmare of him being the leader of the free world uh, did actually happen. I mean, I, I know it wasn't a dream. It actually happened. I continue to try and erase his four years from my mental hard drive. And, and I'm sure as hell not prepared for another four years of total world chaos. Uh, Dave, run it. Ladies and gentlemen, we all know that as President of the United States, Mr. Trump, President of the United States, Mr. Trump will continue his lifelong defense, lifelong defense, lifelong defense of the right of free speech in America. As a matter of fact, 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 he supports the First Amendment, 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 just as much as he supports the Second Amendment, just as much, just as much, just as much. However, 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 some people have taken advantage of Mr. Trump's hospitality by choosing to disrupt his rallies by using them as an opportunity to promote their own political messages, their own political messages. While they certainly have the right to free speech, he supports the First Amendment, they certainly have the right to free speech. This is a private event paid for by Mr. Trump, 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 Trump. We have provided a safe protest area outside the venue for all protesters. If a protester starts demonstrating in the area around you, please, please, please do not touch or harm the protester. This is a peaceful rally. In order to notify the law enforcement officers of the location of the protester, please hold a rally sign over your head and start chanting, Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump, we have provided Trump, a safe protest area outside the venue for all protesters. We have provided a safe protest area outside the venue for all protesters. Trump. This is Trump, a private event Trump, paid for by Mr. Trump. Trump. This is a private event paid for by Mr. Trump. Trump. This is a private event paid for by Mr. Trump. 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 Please. Trump. Do not touch or harm the protester. Trump. Trump. Please Trump, Trump, do not touch Trump, or harm Trump, the protester. Trump, 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 Trump. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us make America great again. Trump, 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 Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, 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 uh. What else is there, man? That last Trump segment was too spooky for me, uh, even the second time hearing it. 
Okay, we'll now revisit the conclusion of the security clearance episode. Dave? Uh, Spud, I did an online search on the topic of you being an and there were so many references that I'm not sure which one you're referring to. Can you be specific? It would be nice to know exactly what insulting post you saw so I could respond. I uh, really would like to rectify the situation and be cleared to receive show information. As a co-host, <laughs> it's really difficult to do my job being outside of the loop. Listen, you, you will never be allowed into the loop. Only trusted people are allowed into the loop. The point is, someone is divulging sensitive show stuff to the general public, and that's not cool. As you are the primary suspect, things will remain as is. So until you are cleared, you will never, ever be given access to any information prior to when we go on the air. All right, all right. I, I think I'm still able to do my job here, but it's a real challenge. Do you think maybe I could be given a heads up when we take a week off, though, and air a rerun? I cannot tell you how disappointing it is to come into the studio and find out I'm the only one who showed up. <laughs> well, that is but one sanction that you will have to continue to deal with as long as you proclaim your innocence. Just admit it and take your punishment like a man. You're the one who told everyone I was an Just say it. Well, well... I have in the past made a few derogatory comments to my wife, Rachel, yeah, what you're saying. about you. I, I wouldn't use the word in her company, but yes, I've maybe used words like jerk, horrible person, and I've possibly mentioned that you probably have a small penis. But I would never put such words about you on the internet. That would be wrong. You know, I never did see anything about my member, so I guess thank you for keeping that private. Until now, I guess. Uh, hey, let me close this damn show, and I'm going to figure out what to do with you later as far as an official sanction for telling your wife I'm a jerk. That was uncalled for. Well, I, I agree. I, I should have never said it, and if my wife inadvertently repeated what I said on a message board online, then I apologize for I will speak with her about it when I get home later. Well, if she is the guilty party, I really regret I cannot take action against her. I do know now, though, that I will never, ever share anything about this show to her at parties ever again. But she and I have never been to a party with you, so that'll probably never happen anyway. But Well, if I, it did... Well, I do promise to watch what I say around the house as I guess I need to be aware that it couldn't be shared with others very easily. Uh, and tell your kids to watch it too. You know, if they're thinking about discussing Daddy's big bad boss with a small, d you know, on Snapchat or that Yik Yak site, I, I got, just give them a heads up. I got it. I got it. I will let the family know as soon as I get home. I promise you. All right then. I do feel a little bit better knowing we've we've maybe you know silenced at least one source of misinformation. It's a yeah. start. Now, if I could only stop all the others who say you know bad stuff, people talking about me basically on the internet. You know, I need to figure out how that Putin guy you know, takes care of his problem. Oh. Anyway, I, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. You know, I still wish, you know, I could have sanctioned or written up, you know, your wife, Rachel, for saying those mean things about me online, you know, on Facebook or wherever. Uh, I mean, you're ultimately responsible, but I never got any real retribution for this breach of security and just basically offensive behavior. Well, there was no breach of security. Even even if I hadn't mentioned it to Rachel that you were, you know, often not nice to me and others, it still would have come out somehow. I don't really think it's a secret, Spud. He is right, Spud. It's kind of an established fact that you're a bit of a jerk. Well, not that your own family. Mm. Well, your family does have hot, fond feelings for you, of course. Yeah. But, you know, that cat is out of the bag. I've learned a lot mm. from you, Spud, over the years. Not so much on what to do, but more what not to do, as nobody likes a jerk. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know about that. You know, today's Republican Party seems to love jerks. You know, not that I would ever consider becoming one of those freaks. Don't you think now that we've stopped doing the radio show, now that we've stopped doing the radio show and we're just doing this podcast, that you could take another look at this and, and maybe change my security status? Because I, I frankly think it's time. Absolutely not. I take this podcast very seriously. And you still represent a real threat to my intellectual properties. Yes. Okay. M may I just ask what your intellectual properties might be? I've never understood what they actually are. 
<laughs> well, if I told you, I would place them in even further danger and jeopardy. You know, I think that disgusting piece of crap monster, Vladimir Putin, uh, the, the guy that you Republicans seem to love so much, uh, would set you straight on learning how to keep your mouth shut with secrets. You know, at least on this podcast, you don't have to be worried about being pushed out of a window or be or being poisoned. Being poisoned for having a big mouth seems a bit extreme. Honey, honey, just let the two of them resolve this one. Okay, how about I swear out a formal promise in writing that I would maintain the highest standards with all show material? Would that change your mind, Spud? Mm, How about this? I'm going to run it by my attorney and get back to you, okay? Uh, he, he lives in the apartment above me and, you know, he's, he's given me free legal advice now, you know, uh, well, as long as I let him splice into my cable box, it, it was his idea. And he, he runs the court up outside the window from my place to his apartment. And, you know, it seems to be a mutually beneficial arrangement so far. Oh, well, when you're caught and you will be, don't come whining to me about not having cable anymore and wanting to come to my house to watch stuff like in years past when it was cut off. With Chance around now, it just would not work. Yes, I mean, no, it would not work. I have, let's say, more refined taste in TV shows than you, Spud, so I'd never let you get your hands on Dorothy's remote control. Um, Until you're married and move out of your parents' house, um, her, t- her TV is still like an open resource legally. Uh, whoever has the remote control has the power to decide what to watch. Good call, yo. Well, I'm sorry, but Chance is in charge of the re- remote control now. What? Yeah. No need to wait until the wedding for this, bud. I don't watch much TV myself. I normally just play Wordle on my iPad while he enjoys the Disney Channel mostly. The Disney Channel? Seriously? Seriously. Uh, all right, let me, let me end this episode now. I, I need a fresh bottle of Pepto-Bismol. You know, I, I can hear my stomach reacting right now to that disturbing news. Uh, okay, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, T.J. Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Coleman. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.